Thanks for tuning in to the Job Pop Owning Show. Today, we have Callie Plummer. Callie, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. How? Um, why don't we start off the podcast with a brief description of who you are, what you do, and how you got there. Sure. So uh, my name is Callie, obviously. Um, I am the owner and founder of Cal & Co., which is a virtual COO a boutique firm. And so we basically supply um, operational assistance to women-owned businesses on the back end. So I like to say that I take the chaos and turn it into strategy and operations. And so I got here. Hmm. I'll give you the cliff notes because we could be here all day talking about how I got here. But I started in the HR world. Um, I went to school. You know, I was on the track of that's what you do. You go to school, you get a degree, you work on Monday through Friday, you collect a pension and that's your life. And then you travel when you retire. That's how my family set up. That is all that I knew. And so I was on track to doing that. Um, and I realized when pretty much the pandemic hit, um, and I'll back up just a little bit, I started to get really burned out from HR. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to pivot and commercial insurance sounds really fun. So I went and got my commercial insurance um, certification license rather. And those who actually know me laugh now because commercial insurance and my personality, they're like oil and water. We really don't mix. And so I was in this industry. And when the pandemic hit, I remember saying to my husband, I can, I can't keep doing this. I need to figure out something else. But I didn't know what that something else was. And so I had loosely started engaging in conversation with some people here locally. Um, I had submitted some things on Upwork because what I knew was that I could take broken things and put them together. That is my jam. That is my wheelhouse. And so I started kind of fumbling around on the internet to figure out how can I do this, but do this for myself. And I learned that there was this whole like online business management sort of area, right? OBMs, we all know that those are a thing. And so I got on Upwork, started kind of fumbling around, like I said, and then Clubhouse came out. And right. I had a friend that was, we were sort of conversation, conversating back and forth. And she said, do you know about Clubhouse? And I said, I have no idea. Okay, I'm an older millennial. So new apps, unless it's showing up on my phone, I have no idea what that is. And she said, come on. And I said, listen, I don't want to download another new app. This is not, and people are probably laughing because they're like, if they're an older millennial, they get it. I'm not, I'm not doing this. And she said, please, will you please just come and show up in this house? Well, 24 hours later, I came home from work and I said to my husband, I think I need to quit my job because I was booked out and I was off to the races and I didn't, I didn't know what to do, but I knew that like I could make this work. So I walked away from corporate life and it was actually starting to get really toxic during that time anyway, um, which was encouraging my, my thoughts of I need to get out of here. I need to figure something else out. And so here I've been for the last three years, coming up on, on four years, and it's been a wild, wild ride, but it's been really great. Fantastic. Now, 
<laughs> you got an interesting part here, right? Because like, it's like you said, you, you, in a way, you went from HR to uh, commercial insurance. So yeah. it's sort of like you switched industries and then you decided that, uh, yeah, I'm done working. And uh, well, at least for other people. So, and a lot of people think about that. They talk about that, but they don't necessarily do it. It's, uh, and where I'm going with this is there must've been a, uh, I'm assuming there must've been some uh, fear points there that you might've thought of. Yeah. I, um, I, I have just really honestly started becoming really open with sort of my, my journey as a whole. And part of that journey includes me being a single mom. And I was a young teen mom. I was 19 when I got pregnant, 20 when I had her. And that really was the push for me to go to school because I, at that moment, knew that my trajectory in life was not to stay on the welfare system. And fear was a driving factor then because I knew that I had to make it so my daughter and I could survive. So that she didn't have the life that I had, um, which I didn't, I mean, I didn't have a terrible life, but I also honestly, John, didn't understand the magnitude of actually how poor my family was because we didn't talk about money. We didn't talk about, my family was very closed lipped um, about assets and, and where they are and, and how you use them and things of that nature. So all I knew from my mother was how to survive. And she was an entrepreneur. She had a um, daycare in her, in our home. Um, and so I knew that you could do anything <laughs> if you put your mind to it and you made it work. What I didn't know is all of the fear that comes with that. And so I found it to be a little bit easier to do exactly what my mom said, which was go and get a college degree. This is your way out because you're going to get a nine to five. And you'll have, you know, a salary and it'll be great. And so when I went and I did that, it sheerly was purely out of having to survive. And fear drove the bus in such a way that it was, how am I going to pay my bills? Um, am I going to be able to keep my lights on? Right. And I had many, many years of that. And then when I decided to transition to corporate insurance, it was, I, I was released from my position. They had shut down the branch that they had created. And so I was kind of in a place of scarcity again, um, fear, if you will, of what am I going to do? Um, I don't, I know that I don't want to go get an HR job, but I also know that that's the only thing that I know. And so, I took a small bet on myself because I knew that if I could take the test to pass to get my license, everything else is sort of the same when it comes to an office environment, right? You you show up, they have processes, they have SOPs, and, and you do the thing. And all I needed was a license to be able to do that. So I thought, I can do that. I can make this work. And when I showed up there, I realized how toxic of an environment it was for me. But I was so fearful to step out and do my own thing because what if it didn't work? What if I did all of this work to get my college degree, to work as many years as I have in the industry that I have, 
to show my daughter that it was for nothing. Because if I start this business, if I move into this other line of work, which honestly, I mean, things transition over. It's not like I'm giving up, right? But I didn't know that then because fear was like literally right in front of my face of how do you think you're going to survive? What if you don't get paid that month? What if your clients don't pay? What are you going to do? You're not going to make an income. Do you think that you're possibly able going to be able to do that? There's no way. Why don't you just keep showing up to your job? Because it's comfortable. You know how to get there. You can move up in an office environment, right? You can get to VP level. And to be honest, after I pivoted into my business, there was an opportunity to take on a full-time role. And I did it because I still had that same fear creep up of, well, your income's not consistent, right? Um, I mean, you're paying yourself enough, but you have to do so much more work to get to what you think you want to get to. And to me, that was really scary because I'm betting on myself. I'm taking a chance on myself. And when someone presented me an opportunity to do a full time, I'm like, well, yeah, I'll just do that because it's easier. Not realizing that when I chose to walk away from the corporate environment and all of that left me, it became really, really hard to get back into it. So I, you know, fear is an interesting thing and I've let it kind of consume me prior to me starting my own business. But when the fear looks a little bit different now, now the fear is I can recognize it and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Hmm. Where is that coming from? Why is it showing up that way? But usually it's me looking fear back in the face and going, yeah, I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm just going to keep doing it scared. Makes sense. Love that. Now, one thing I heard there also, what I call or what people call imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people have that. And where I heard it, when you were talking about it, you were trying to come up with excuses of why you shouldn't do it. And what, it, and obviously, and for obvious reasons, your daughter was a pain point of what would she think or how would she feel about what you did? Yeah. Now, that was obviously a very strong point and which is what you were using because let's be honest, we all know what our triggers are and how do we talk ourselves out of doing something? We use our triggers against ourselves, right? So let, let's be honest. Now, so what I heard was that imposter syndrome, that worry that what would she think? She'll, you know, I'm giving her the wrong example. But here's another point of a way of looking at it. If you had listened to yourself and not did what you're doing, the example would have been that you're showing her it's all right to give up and not to follow your passion. It's all right to not do what you want to do and just to succumb to pressure. Yeah, It's still the wrong message. The difference is you had the option to show her what message you want her to see. What's more important? Now, the message here is, and let's assume shit hits the fan and things go to shit. Well, you showed her that it's okay for things to go bad and start over because you did it on your terms instead of allowing someone else to dictate your life. Yeah. But nobody thinks of that. I mean, I had the same messages. We all have it. The difference is you got the message and you overcame it. We're all scared. It's just you do it anyways. Mm-hmm. And, you're, and I think you're presenting the proper message out there. So I love that. Kudos to you for getting past it. Thank you. So with that being said, you're also, and here's another example of skill you have that you probably didn't realize you had. You're catering towards women, correct? Yes. You know how many people, when I was in the marketing business, I would say, here, I'm here to help you. Let's build up your business. Who's your audience? And the answer is the same old crappy answer. Everyone. It can't friggin' be everyone. It can't. 
It really can't. <laughs> but nobody would understand that. See, you knew to go after a niche. What was your, like, what made you decide to choose your niche and how did that come about? Sure. So I, um, I meet a lot of women still in, in what I do that are build, building businesses the same way that I tried to build a business. And it was to just, we're, we're just going to do the thing. I don't know where I'm going. I don't really know what I'm going to be doing, but I know so strongly that I have something of value and I have something worthy and I am worthy of having a business. I am worthy of paving my own way. And once I realized that there are a ton of women still that that even operating six-figure businesses don't really have that mentality. And I remember, and bless her, she she's one of my most favorite clients, and we are the best of friends now. Um, her name is Liz Slyman, and, and she runs Amplihire, which is a copywriting agency. And I always joke, and it's our running joke, that she showed up to me with Google spreadsheets and five contractors. And that was how she was operating her business. And I remember her saying to me, I don't, I, I know what this is supposed to look like. I don't know how to make that happen. And I said, tell me what your vision is. Tell me what it is that you see as a full-on operation. And she said, I want to be a place where people can come with their copywriting skills and I can hire them. And I said, so you want employees? And she said, yes, I really want this to be a home for people. And I said, okay, this is how we're going to do this. And so we created systems and tools and SOPs and all the stuff and things. And this was the beginning of 2021. And Two months ago, she hired her third employee. And so I have always had it in my mind is if I can position myself in such a way that I know how to make shit work. I, I just know how to make shit work. If there is a woman out there that is really, really scared and she knows that like she can do this, she just needs a little help. It is not... And I love them to death, but it is not giving a task list to a VA because you feel overwhelmed. It is finding someone who can walk alongside you, who can help build the vision for and with you so that you can then leverage, right, those types of individuals. But you can't really do that until you know exactly where it is that you're going and, and how you're going to get there. And so when I started showing up in spaces with women who are talking about what their big dreams are and talking about how fabulous their business is going to be, but they don't know what to do in order to get it there, I realized that the missing link is that they don't have a sounding board. They don't have anybody that's showing up and going, I think, and what do you think about it? I think you should step out and do X, Y, and Z, but you also need to do ABC first. They don't know what that ABC is because you're in the middle of your business and you can't see from a 500 foot view. It's really, really hard sometimes to do that. And so I found myself <laughs> saying like, I, I want to be that person that stands at the 500 foot view and says, let's make this 
vision happen. Let's make it happen for you because you have something that is worth other people getting to know. Wow. Yeah. I love that. I'm just, I'm blown away by that. (laughs) I I just, I just feel like, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of women that um, often let their businesses suffer because they're not willing to invest either in the right types of people, or we still show up in the employee mentality where we're waiting for someone to come and tell us that we're doing something right or ask us for something. And when we sit around and we ask, we we sit around and, and look over our shoulder and wait for people to come and ask for our thing, whatever that is, if it's a product-based or a service-based business, we'll be waiting forever because nobody's coming to save you when you're an entrepreneur. Nobody's coming to find you. That is your responsibility to go out in the world and put yourself out there. And so when we operate from an employee mindset all of the time, we never pivot to getting, and I call it the CEO mentality, which is, it's an executive operating mindset right? You, you are in charge of your environment. You are in charge of your business. And if you don't start operating in that mentality, it's never going to flourish. That's true. See, now I'm going to unpack that part. That's the old mentality, right? Like everyone has that hesitation, right? Like the common thing that I find in this world, talking to other business owners is they see their employees as an expense, not an asset. Yeah. And, and I'm not going to lie. I was that person too, once upon a time, right? Like I saw that and I'm like, oh, time to hire somebody. And trust me, I use an F-bomb because I didn't want to pay them. Yeah. Right. And then and it was not, and I didn't realize how much value they can add. Now the key word is the right employee. Yes. Right? Like there's tons of crap available, but there's only one person who's key. I, I think that we often get hung up on the to-dos instead of the, the people that have the zone of genius that we don't have. And when we start to hire for the zone of genius that we don't have, the things that we don't know how to do, that's where we think of our employees as other people that are just as invested in our businesses as we are, rather than, oh, now I have to pay them. Yeah. It's a it's a different it's a it's a different mindset. Absolutely. But now remember, a lot of people starting out have that fear. Now, again, let's be honest. A lot of times we have our own fears. Yeah. And the things we do is impose our fears on others and by our actions. Yeah. And prime example, one of those things that business is happening, service is dropping because you're not hiring and you're overwhelmed. And everyone else says, I just don't have enough people or I just don't have enough this or, you know, things are going to get, you know, whatever excuse. But there's always that hesitation that what if I hire and I can't make the payment? There's always that fear Mm -hmm. of hiring someone because... Again, that expense mindset. Now, there's going to be a formula of when to hire and when not to hire, which is where I want to unpack that and where I want to get into that. What would you say to that person who isn't sure if they should hire right now and and, and or if they should uh, wait? What would you tell that person? I think there's multiple factors there. There's the mental factor and the money factor, right? The mental factor often sometimes, especially as a woman in business, we are conditioned to think that we can do it all because that's just that's just what society demands of us. And so we can oftentimes get very tricked into, especially if you're just starting a business or even in your first few years of business, that I can just do, just do everything. It'll be fine. I'll just do it for a few years and, you know, 
I'll just get myself to a place where I will be able to know when I need somebody. But the problem is, is we don't know we need somebody until our families are telling us how stressed out we are. We are not sleeping at night. We are not taking care of ourselves. We can barely eat. We are working until 3 a.m. with, you know, getting up at 5, getting the kids out the door, and then coming to sit and work all day. And it's usually not until somebody close to us looks at us and goes, what the hell are you doing? You're killing yourself, literally killing yourself for what? And it's usually not until that moment that we get slapped in the face that we're like, oh, yeah, I guess I should probably find some help. On the other side of that, sometimes you don't have the revenue, right? Sometimes there's lots of different factors. But what I would say is you have to figure out kind of what your what your bottom dollar is to yourself to say, what do I need to make in my business to understand, first, I need to pay myself, obviously. I mean, people have bills. It's a real thing. Let's not mince words about that. But also, what can you pull from your business to invest back into it? We're not talking about tools. We're not talking about systems. We're not talking about what is a good financial number that you can pull out of your business to invest back into it, into your business, because that's what employees are, right? That's what contractors are. You're investing back into your business so that you can scale. But I also think it's an honest conversation with yourself on, do you want to scale? Because a lot of people are really, really comfortable being a one to two man show, and that's lovely. Other people, they wanna grow it to six, seven figures, and that's really lovely too. What is your definition of success there? And let's not make it tied to a number. Like you have to have it tied to a number at at some capacity, because again, we all have bills to pay. But at the end of the day, when you lay your head down at, at night, what does success mean to you? And if it is, I need to be operating at X amount of dollars, can you realistically do that by yourself? Because I'll tell you that you can't. You need support, you need someone, to help you. And I think you then force yourself to come out at 500 foot view and say, what are the top things that I need to be doing over these next years? And who can I get to help me? And I think truly it's hiring someone who is, and I say hire, but getting a contractor or whoever, who can be that higher level person to look at your business holistically and say, okay, This is what I see that is happening now. This is where you want to happen. And then these are the moving parts that you need to do to get there. So again, I think it's both mentally and financially, you have to have that honest conversation with yourself. Yes, 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 that's for sure. So, okay, going forward, when when I look at this and I hear somebody says that they're comfortable and they're happy being a one or two man show, and that's uh, what suits their lifestyle or woman show, whichever, right? What That suits their lifestyle, that suits what they're, where they want to be and they don't want to expand. I think they're very, very selfish. They're uh, not willing to grow even though they tell everybody that they want to grow. They want to build a business. And to me, that is you want to build a job. You do not want to build a business. What you want to do is do what you want to do and nobody tell you what to do. And that's why you built that one or two man enterprise. And you're comfortable with that. And you want to basically have the nine to five security without the stress of scaling or growing or doing anything else. Why I call it selfish is because more than likely what's happening is you're doing that and you're going to use your family as your excuse. Oh, well, I need time for my family. I need time for this. I need time for that. And you're coming up with whatever reason that to not scale. 
But let me ask you, is it really responsible to have limitations and limit what your family can and can't do because you're not willing to grow? Like, would it not be more fiscally responsible to be able to scale, grow, and provide that opportunity where your family does not have the limitation, where they, prime example, if you have a child and you want them to go to university, because just say they want to be a doctor. Now, if you had grown and you had built your business, you would probably have the means to cover the education to be able to send that child to school without accumulating debt. Would that not be a better lifestyle? So by And here's another way, if you want to take the money factor out of there, what you're doing is showcasing to your family that limiting yourself, being small, and having a lack of whatever is perfectly acceptable, and it's okay. And if you should decide that you want to give up, that is okay too. You're teaching your kids that giving up on your dreams, giving up on your lifestyle, giving up on your objectives is all right. Because you don't want to scale and you don't want to grow and you don't want to do more than what you're doing. Because it is very scary. It is very restrictive. It's very humbling. If you, uh, not humbling, it's easier. It's easier than to take the next step. Let's take the easy way out. Let's not grow. Let's not do anything because I don't have anywhere I want to go that's not too scary. So I'm going to just stay where I am. So giving up is that message. Now, correct me if you uh, disagree or not. No, I would. I was just going to add on that if you're playing small, imposter syndrome is still very much alive. Yes. If you are, again, like like you said, John, if you are waking up every day and you're like, "Well, this is great," you know, I'm very comfortable. I love exactly. I love exactly what I'm doing, and you've created this nine to five life for yourself. Which don't get me wrong, I do think. If you create a nine to five for yourself, you're doing two things. You're also setting boundaries for yourself, but in some way, shape or form, you're also limiting how much you can dream. You're putting boundaries on yourself in such a way that when your brain shuts off at five and you're tuned in back into your your family or whatever that is, you're shutting off your dreamer. You're shutting off And let me tell you, there are times at 3 a.m., and I'm sure, John, this happens to you too, where I'll like wake up in the middle of the night and I'm like, oh my gosh, this is a fantastic idea. And I have to, like, I have to get up and I have to act on it and I have to write something down and I have to pour into myself. Sometimes that happens. But I think when we pigeon ourselves in such a way where we're just trying to create comfortability because we don't want to show up in a corporate environment, because we don't want to walk into an office, we still are creating those limiting beliefs that we have through the same doors that we once walked through. It's the same thing, just a different environment. So I would rather live my life a little on the edge a little daring, right? And sometimes that means getting the help that you need so that they're doing things while you're doing other things, right? Because I think when we decide that we're going to go all in on our business, businesses are not built by one person. (laughs) That is just not, that is not a real thing. That is not, and if it is your thing, then you have a hobby. You don't have a business. That's a little controversial. I love that. I love that right there. That is so true. Absolutely true. Are you fair? No. <laughs> yeah. Like, again, right? And, I, and I, I agree with everything you just said. And I've heard too many times, way too many times. And this is why I also think it's wrong. Because now you're blaming your family. You're not growing because your family needs you. 
You're not growing because you know what? You, you know, you wouldn't be able to attend whatever game or whatever. You're not growing because you know what? That you need to, you know, balance your life out. Again, you're creating restrictions and you're passing your restrictions on to your family. And, and I'll tell you, when I was a single mom and I was going to college, I also worked three jobs and I took 21 credit hours a semester. So there was a there was a lot for me to do. And I, I won't say that it wasn't stressful. And I, I didn't worry about how my bills were going to get paid. Matter of fact, there was there was one night um, my power got shut off. And my daughter and I had to sleep in the kitchen and I had to prop the, uh, the, the stove open. Uh, it was gas stove so that her and I could have heat that night. And it was the middle of winter. And I knew that I was going to be able to pay the power bill by Friday. But here it is Wednesday night. And they would not give me an extension. So I don't want to say that your family won't suffer. But what I see now, at least in my family, is... My daughter has a real appreciation for how I do things, not necessarily the volume in which I do them. And so when I was working three jobs, right, and, and I, was, I was missing out on things, I also had to set boundaries and I also had to get a community of people around me. And I, and I understand not a lot of people have family that helps out or whatever. My mother was instrumental in me being able to, to get to where I am. But say I didn't have my mother, I would have had to figure out some other thing, whether that's a community resource or, or what have you. And yeah. it's cliche to say you just have to figure it out, but you just have to figure it out. And so when you get to the point now that I am in my business, my daughter is going to be, I mean, she starts her senior year tomorrow, bless her. Um, there's a different appreciation that she has from when she was five years old and seeing me struggle to f 17 years old watching me, sure, is a little bit stressful. Absolutely. Do I tell her no on some things because I have to do X, Y, and Z? Sure. But she knows the value in which I'm saying that. And it's not from a place of, I don't want to do those things with you because I have to do X, Y, and Z. I want to do those things with you, but it's sometimes at a different point or it's at a different time. And there are other times too, in full honesty, I say to my clients, like, I, I can't do that because I have this commitment with my daughter. It's a balance, right? You have, you, you can have yes and in your business, but again, it's finding that support, putting people in place that when you are stepping away, when you are doing those family commitments, your business is still operating in the background. I am of the mindset that you have to get your business to a place that you can step away and you are not the answer to everything. Because if you are the answer to everything, you are literally putting the value dollar on yourself and people are buying you and not your business. And that is a tricky place to be because heaven forbid, if something were to happen to you and you were to end up in the hospital, everything goes away. And so how can you position your business in such a way that when you do step away for family commitments and all the fun stuff or something, heaven forbid, something happens, your business is still going on and it's still operating. And that's where building a team comes into place. Wonderful. And yeah, to be clear, and what I'm, what I said earlier, you know what I mean? Like, like when people uh, don't want to grow and all that, like where I'm going with this. I realize, like you were just saying, there's certain commitments that 
you're going to choose your daughter over whatever business there is. And I'm not saying scrap your kids because you got a business to build. <laughs> right. That's not what we're saying. Right? Yeah. No. And I, and all I'm saying is, and then maybe whatever you're not committing to today, you can't commit today because of whatever, but don't have the belief that because you can't commit today, that that's a forever solution. Have an open mind to realize that you can put in a plan to grow and have that solution down the road. Just, just don't think you're stagnant because today may not be working. And I'm of the mindset that you can do anything. You can't do everything. So when you start feeling yourself saying, I have to do everything around here. If you feel like that, then what are you not putting in place so that you're not feeling that way? Absolutely. Which brings up another point, which adds to all this that we're talking about is like, we all want to serve everybody that calls us. But the truth of the matter is there's some people for lack of better descriptions that are truly not worth it. And it's not because they're bad people. You just don't jive with everybody and you don't see eye to eye and it causes more friction than you can handle. And what ends up happening is it causes distress with your other clients because you end up spending so much time with the one that's taking up all your time for the wrong things that everyone else is being neglected. And then there's a certain point that you just discover that you don't mesh with somebody. And that doesn't mean there's not somebody out there for them. It's just not you. And you have to let go of a client. And I'm sure you have a story of that happening. Yeah. I mean, I, I would, full disclosure, like my first year of business, that's when I learned a lot about who I wanted to serve, uh, what types of businesses I wanted to serve, right? Because you can say women in business and what does that mean? There's lots of different businesses, but I had to get, and it was through trial and error. I mean, I, I did find myself in times that I would have to say to someone, I am not the right fit for you. And it's because something didn't align either, either values or the work that I was doing. It's okay to say to someone, I know that there is someone else that can better serve you. And that's not me. That takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of power because we often get hooked on the dollar, right? We often get hooked on what they're paying. And it's like, ooh, sometimes it's really painful to walk away from, you know, we'll just say five grand a month, right? If that client is paying you five grand a month, sometimes that's really hard to walk away from if that's a bulk of your revenue. But what I would say is, is that's, that is the cost of your mental load. Right. If you find yourself dreading every call with that client or dreading the work that you're doing for that client or dreading picking up the phone, that client is not for you. That is not someone that you want to do business with. Now, that's not saying that they are a terrible person and they shouldn't have support and yada, yada, yada. That's just saying that they are not married with with your values and the way that you show up in your business. I spent probably the first year and a half recognizing who the people are that are a good fit for me. And I no longer show up in such a way that I, I would say two things. I, I no longer when when there are women in business that aren't in my desired wheelhouse. I will very graciously say to them, you know, I, I love what you're doing. And I think that 
it's really wonderful, but I, here is another person that would be better suited for you. Right. And I think that's a, that's a good tip too, is to just build up a connection of, of other individuals that are also in your industry that if you get asked, right to take on a client and they are not a good merriment for you, you have an additional resource that you can send them to, which I think is really, really lovely. But I also recognize how much I can take on. And I am not in a position now to overburden myself. And so if there are individuals that are not in my wheelhouse, I just basically tell them that, you know, I am not the right person for them. And you have to be willing to do that because for every no, there's a yes right around the corner. So if you're saying yeses to the no's, you're creating the burnout, right? You're creating the environment for yourself that you end up hating your business and you end up hating what you're doing and you become resentful really is what happens. And then when the resentment builds up, you're like, I'm just going to go, I'm just going to go back to nine to five because that's easier. I don't have, I don't have to deal with this. I can shut this off when I leave the office. And that's really true. But at the same time, you're also putting yourself in a position where someone else is, is giving you money, right? And at any time, and this is what I realized at any time when I was working in corporate, somebody can say to you, I, I'm not paying you and now you're fired and now you have nothing. It's like when you have a business and you have your clients, if you lose a client, it's like, oh, okay, I have to go and make that some, that money up somewhere, but you're betting on yourself. You're taking a chance on yourself. And I would much rather do that than wait for an employer to pay me my paycheck after I got done working. All right. Podcast is over. That statement was, (laughs) I'm not getting, we're done. (laughs) 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 <laughs> wow that was great right like it, you're, you're absolutely right about it and and you're right when you feel burnout it is so easy to say that i'm done with this i'd rather just have a job rather just have a job get my paycheck not worry about this yada 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 and you, you know and some people will actually do that and what they don't realize is that they're not just doing themselves a disservice they're doing their new employer a disservice because now you're there with resentment as you said you're not putting your all in because now you're going to go in with the attitude that uh, I just don't want to do what I was doing anymore. I'm sick of it. And uh, these guys are lucky to have me and they owe me. Mm. Nobody intends on having that attitude, but you're going to your new employer angry. And unfortunately, they're going to be the ones on the receiving end of that angry thought. Absolutely. So there you go. I got a two-part question. Is that sure. Going forward, what is your typical schedule like and where are you hoping to get to again over the next couple of years? Yeah. So right now my schedule, ironically enough, I have, I have given myself a, I, I work Monday through Friday with Monday through Thursday being the bulk of my, my client experience. Um, and Friday sort of through Sunday, um, my husband works on Monday through Friday. And so I know that when Saturday and Sunday comes, um, and he's he's a blue collar man, so oftentimes there's late nights, right? And those are the times that I really, right now, spend in my business because he's not home. And for those of you that have teenagers, you know that you know they're not home. <laughs> they're off running the roads and playing sports and being with their friends. So I have a lot of time to really spend inside of my business to help myself understand kind of what the what the next step is, right? And 
Um, you know, when the weekends come, that is, that is me and my husband, we, we soak that up. Um, but right now I dedicate a lot of what I would say to my clients, mainly because I think I'm still in the place that I love the daily work that I do. I love connecting to my, to my clients every day and, you know, connecting with them on projects and really being in the day to day. That is something I don't know that I will ever give up. Um, but on the other end, I also have recognized that there are women that come with some mental limitations on moving their business to the next level. And what I mean by that is they still have that employee mentality, right? Where they're sort of looking for the accolades. They're looking for someone to come and give them the answer, to give them the next resolution. And so I have begun to work with um, a lot of women in business that are either starting businesses or they have businesses that have employees or contractors, but there's a little bit of a barrier for them to fully step into the leadership of either their own business or leading their team. And there's some mental fortitude that we need to work and, and uncover. And it's really just understanding kind of what is your authentic leadership style, both to yourself and to the team that you run, and how can you position yourself to run your business differently? right? Because we all come from corporate backgrounds. We all come from some sort of a structure that when we start to run our business, when we start to get contractors, when we start to get employees, it's really easy for us to show up as the leadership team that we just came from. And so my encouragement to every woman in business is to do it differently. Do it how you really want to run your business. Do it how you think that you would like people to show up in your business, because that's not from what Susie, your ELT manager, has taught you for 30 years. That's something very personal inside of you, and we have to figure out what that is. And oftentimes, it comes from limiting beliefs that they, can, that they can't do it differently, that they have to run their business like a corporation, right? They have to run their business with this boxed mentality. And I would encourage everybody to kind of step outside of that box and see what, what your business has to offer outside of the box, because that's where your, your true growth comes. So I'm starting to lean a little bit more inside of the coaching space because I know that there is, there is an opportunity for a cheerleader <laughs> in your right-hand corner that if you're feeling resistance in your business, if you're feeling like your business is super heavy and you have high turnover or you have contractors that are, you know, sort of providing pushback, usually that's because you're not raising your own hand and saying, I might possibly be the problem. And so if you are feeling like that, that's that's what I like to help people overcome. Um, and so I don't know what that looks like yet. I'm putting it out in the air and, and you know, I've worked with a few um, women thus far to kind of uncover that, but that usually comes truly when I'm, when I'm brought on as this operations person and I start to recognize and realize that there is a lot more than me just coming in and making stuff work. <laughs> right? 
it's usually, you know, there's a mental component to that. So, um, yeah, I'm just kind of leaning into that for the rest of the year to see kind of where that takes me. Um, and, you know, happy to, to always have conversations with general, um, you know, women in business on, on, you know, overcoming specific issues, but that's kind of where I'm going. Got it. Got it. Awesome. In light of time, I'm going to go and uh, get down to my two last questions before I go into what I call the lightning round. Second last question is going to be, how do you know you've had a successful day? When I lay in bed at night and I still have a fire and a yearning for what I do, and I have a smile on my face and a contentment that is unmatched to anything that I've ever experienced before, That's what success is to me. That is powerful. Last but not least, people watching this and saying, hey, I love what she has to say. I wonder if she can help me. Where would they go and find you? Sure. So I have a website, obviously. Um, Contact form. You can send me all the stuff and things that is on your heart. Happy to hear it all. You would be amazed at the the books that people send me. And I love reading it all. Uh, just dump your heart, right? Uh, I have an Instagram. Uh, so underscore Cal and Co. Um, and those are the two main places that, that you can find me. Fantastic. Awesome. Let's get into the lightning round, which is just a few questions that are personal and more about you. And it's going to be fun. Okay. Let's start off with question number one. What is your favorite food and why? Mm, pizza. Because obviously. <laughs> yeah, well, I think everyone can understand why. <laughs> and all kinds of pizza. I'm not buying just no anchovies, please. I'm good. Oh, oh, you and me both. That, that, <laughs> my brother was into that. He brought it home one day and it was like, Ugh. Yeah, no. No, I love a good pizza. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially, I like them really saucy. Mm. See, I'm not much of a sauce girl. We have locally here, just real quick, we have a, um, it's called Pizza Baker, and they make um, homemade sourdough uh, pizza dough, and it's a wood fire burned, uh, but their mission is they actually have an autistic Um, son and the people that they employ, they provide employment opportunities for people that are either, you know, higher on the spectrum or need a little bit of of assistance. So we always like to go and it's right downtown in our town. We always like to go and support them. But the pizza and it's personal size pizzas, the pizza is amazing. I mean, hands down, it is the best pizza I've ever eaten. And I'm so glad it's in my backyard. Love that. See, even myself, Here's, let me be clear. When I find that, um, and it's going to sound a little butt backwards here. I find if it's like a regular thick crust pizza, I prefer a lot of sauce. When I find it uh, be thin crust, I kind of like that uh, little, because it's almost like it's uh, crunchy kind of thing. It's like, or like just, you know what I mean? And I like the thin crust with less sauce. So it's really kind of depending on which pizza you're making. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Question number two. Favorite vacation spot and why? <laughs> you think what is a vacation? Hmm. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, we. Mm, um, my husband and I try and do a, a vacation for our anniversary every year, but I would say any place new. To be honest, um, I am not one. Which this is going to sound silly because we're going back to Vegas um, this year, but I am not one that will repeat 
a vacation spot. You know, there are some families that are like, they go to the same spot every year and like they build this legacy of like their kids continuing to go. And I think that that's really wonderful. But I also know that there is so much world to see and such little time to see it that I am of the mind that I came, I saw, I conquered. I did as much as I could there. Now let's go see where where else I can go. So my favorite is the next place that we're going and we don't know where that is. Love that. All right. Favorite podcast and or book. Mm, I'm going to go with, um, and once you know it, I'm going to blank on what the book is called. Do, 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 do. I'm going to do a <laughs> quick uh, a quick Google while we're here on live. Let's uh, do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, I'm going to go with book. And my favorite book is called Deep Work by Cal Newport. Interesting. And it's all based around um, taking time to actually build your thing and not not building it in the middle of everything else. Because there is thoughtfulness that happens when you take time. And that is something that is really foreign, especially to entrepreneurs. So it's a lovely book. Pick it up and read it. It's great. Love that. All right. Last but not least, if you were given unlimited amount of money and you had 48 hours to spend it, what you spend, you get to keep. What you don't spend gets taken away. What would you do? A few things. One, I would pay off all the debt of my of my family, make them all really comfortable living for the rest of their years. Um, I would, Wow. John, this is deep. I would also um, probably get as many people out of homelessness as possible. Give them an opportunity for work. Um, pour into the communities that really need it. And um, I would also probably, well, since it's only 48 hours, I would book everything I possibly could to travel Europe for as long as I could do it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That's creativity. <laughs> You didn't say how long the money had to last. <laughs> no, 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 no. Like, not at all. Like that was the intent, right? Yeah. Because look, let's be honest. If I said if I gave you a million dollars, what would you say? What would you do? A lot of people say I'd buy my car, I'd pay off my mortgage, and it's not really what people want. I mean, like nobody wants a mortgage. I'm not saying that. No. Well, if I had a limited amount of money, I, I'd be okay with having a mortgage. No, nobody wants a mortgage. Right. But people end up having what what I call shallow thought because it's a limited amount of money, so they come up with limited answers. So I ask it the way I do on purpose because it gets people to think about what do they really want. Mm -hmm. And then you get kind of that answer of where their mindset really is. Yeah. Freedom, freedom. Exactly. Yep. Love that. All right. I want to say thank you so much for being on the show. It's been phenomenal. Thank you for having me, truly. Uh, and I... I appreciate um, being able to share this space with you. You are a phenomenal individual, and I'm so glad that we got connected. Me as well. Definitely going to keep in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, John. Absolute pleasure. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more, subscribe to the link before below. Thanks for tuning in to The John Papaloni Show.